0: All right, Ian, well, we are in Adelaide at the Hire 22 convention. Thank yep. you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Uh, really happy to be here. It's taken a, a while to uh, get here since our first uh, contact, but um, yeah, really, really happy to be here. And uh, also like to, to thank you for making a, a positive difference in the, the hire and rental industry. Um, the podcasts part, uh, The podcasts that I've listened to, um, they've all been really, really good, and I think um, I think you're providing a valuable service.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate. Uh, like hearing stuff like that is, is is really encouraging. I, I thank yep. you for that. So I was actually reflecting a little bit, and I was actually in the US in Park City. I remember I was in a car park and I was about to go up the mountain, and I was going through LinkedIn, and I was thinking hmm who can I get on the podcast and i messaged you it was a year and a half ago yeah to come on yeah. and we've been communicating for about a year and a half on and off back and forwards and, and you were saying you were checking your messages and all the amount of emails that were back and forth. correct and i'm yeah. so glad that i continued to <laughs> keep that persistency because complant uh, is an amazing company it's got a lot of history in the in, in the industry and i think uh, i really wanted to sort of tell that story plus You've been nominated for High Company of the Year, which is which is an amazing achievement.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. We're um, we're very proud uh, to be nominated. Uh, it's our 60th year this year, uh, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how we go. Um, we're up against some uh, stiff competition, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's nice. It's nice to. Uh, I mean, sometimes when you're heading up a a, a company, it's um how would you say it can be somewhat lonely. Uh, you know, you've got a board to answer to. You've got shareholders. Um, you've got a management team. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, these these little little things that pop up every now and again. Uh, they definitely put a put a smile on your your yeah. face, and you know, it's acknowledgement that we're doing. Uh, a few things right, which is
0: nice. Awesome, and you've been associated with the Higher Rental Association for a long time? Yeah, a long time, I
1: mean, I, I couldn't actually, I, I mean, I've been in the game uh, in, in, within Conplant for 35 years or a bit over 35 years. Um, I'm not sure whether we were in the Hire and Rental Association, you know, when I started with the business or shortly thereafter, but yeah, we've been a member for a long time.
0: Wow. And so 60 years, you said, yeah? 60 years, yeah. Wow. Starting to get a bit tired. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's, the, what's the
1: origins of Conplant then? Um, so uh, Conplant uh, evolved, I think. you know, the, There were three founders of Conplant. Uh, one was uh, my father, Max Coleman, his brother, uh, Des Coleman, and Don Stein. And Don and my father both worked at, uh, at Coates, for some time um, so they they probably uh, you know they got their grounding in the the hire industry like a lot of others uh, from working in coats um, you know my father uh, you know told stories about uh, the introduction of vibrating rollers into Australia and uh, at that stage um, coats uh, weren't in rental mm. uh, they were selling uh, but you know from an engineering perspective most of the time you're looking to engineer out vibration not engineer it in so so most people looked at a vibrating roller as a that's that's a design that's going to self-destruct so there was a definite reluctance in the market for people to purchase that and that's what basically um uh, caused Coates to go into into rental
0: mm, I actually uh, had lunch with Jack King yep recently and he was telling me a little bit about the history of the rollers and yep. when Coates made the decision to to split and no, no one from Coates has really told that story yet I think it's a great opportunity yeah. for someone because that uh, I didn't realize how long that company's been around for it's, yeah it's yeah. A, it, it was an engineering company before and, yeah, I think and they that, were
1: they were they were um oh, I think they were a, a, a Either a dealer or a distributor for ElectroLux and wow. a whole bunch of other other things. Um, so yeah, it's a very different uh, business today uh, than what it was yeah. uh, back then. But yeah, um, so both uh, yeah Don Steen and uh, and my father uh, had their grounding within within Coats. Uh, the money the money for the for the startup of Complant that came from uh, uh, my father's brother Des. Des Coleman, so he was more or less a silent, silent partner mm-hmm. in the business, and yeah, um, strong engineering background, uh, and yeah, we've always been, always had a heavy focus in compaction. So, you know, building, building trailers, building tilt tray trucks, building rollover protective structures. Um.
0: This podcast episode was sponsored by the Fleet Office. Get away from paper documents and spreadsheets and become more compliant by using a cloud-based fleet management software. Save money by streamlining your hire business and understanding your fleet and utilization better. Create quotes, invoices, allocate equipment and operators to jobs and easily compare your projected income with your current invoices, making you more profitable. Pre-starts, risk assessments, maintenance, timesheets, dockets, and asset efficiency all managed on one easy-to-use platform. Learn more at thefleetoffice.com.au Doing a lot of interesting engineering
1: things, uh, but always, you know, underpinning that was, was compaction equipment. Compaction,
0: yeah. I, I was looking at some of the older photos that were put around it. I, I, you have to explain the photo, and I'll try and put it up there so the, the listeners can yep. see it as well. It looked like a, a tractor and a roller joined together. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is that thing?
1: So, look, to be honest with you, I don't know too much about it. We've, we found it in the, the archive-type, um, you know, pics that, that, that exist, along with, uh, you know, probably 30 price lists, Incidentally, I don't think the pricing has gone up in 60 years. (laughs) Probably. But that's that's the rental business, yeah. Um, Yeah, but uh, I think it was just a function of a tractor was the main workhorse and the tractor needed to do other things. Um, So, yeah, my understanding is you put the tractor on top of the frame, you have a cog and a chain drive onto the the back wheel. I saw the and, chains. Yeah, yeah. And and that would drive the the roller. So you'd have a, a tractor powered roller. Um, I, I don't
0: know how long they were. Around were they selling for. these things? It sounds. Very I don't think so. I don't think it didn't so. look very safe when I looked at it. Look for me.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure you'd. I I'm not sure you'd see it on on you know doing final final works on Western Sydney Airport or anything <laughs> I like hope that. Not. But it um, looks cool. It, look, it looks cool. I mean, you know, uh, I think that's uh, that's in our signature block of uh, the email uh, yeah. for the for the sixty years. So, yeah, we tried to put. You know, pictorially, uh, a little bit of the history of the company in that uh, in that pick, yeah.
0: Wow! And then, so for the sixty years, I saw that you um, you went through and you um, restored a roller as well for, for your father, which I think I, yep. that's a like that must have just been an amazing feeling, yeah.
1: Yeah. Look, we did that. Uh,
0: that
1: that 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 was actually done without. Well, I, I didn't know at the time we were doing it, and it was done probably pre our sixty. 60 years Um, but uh, what we did with that 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 machine is uh, my father during COVID uh, uh, my father uh, was having a lot of falls Um, you know he and my mother uh, lived in you know their house together and uh, we had to make the 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 call um, to place him into an aged care facility Um, So that was during COVID. It was during all the the deaths in in aged care facilities during COVID. But, you know, sometimes you've got a decision to make and, you know, none of them are good. Just one of them makes more sense than the rest. And, you know, we looked at it and said, well, we're either going to turn up at the house and have two dead parents at the bottom of a set of stairs or we need to, to, you know, mum can't take care of him anymore. So... We put him into an aged care facility. Um, he had early, early, um, early dementia at the time and shortly thereafter he went into the dementia section of, uh, of that same aged care facility. And you know, I'd go up and visit him and uh, you know, quite often he wouldn't know who, who I am. Uh, quite often he wouldn't know who, who mum was. Mm. You know, and they'd been, they'd been together for 75 years yeah so it was it was it was it was hard work yeah so um talking to the brothers so i've got two brothers they're both uh in the business uh, when i say in the business they're both non-executive directors so they're on our board um and yeah, we made the call to look we're not sure how long dad's going to be with us so um we put that that machine on the, the back of a trailer and I towed it up to Caves Beach where, where he was, uh, where he was staying and uh, we took it off the trailer and pushed it over near the entry point and the staff all knew what we were doing. Mum was there and and the two brothers. And uh, he came, it it was a shame in in one respect that we we planned to video some of it, Um, but he came out before we had a chance to do to get the
0: reaction sort of thing anything
1: with the video but the reaction was priceless you know the doors opened he walked out and he just yelled like oh my god you know it's and he came over we 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 helped him onto the machine and he was he was you know you know my 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 father was very strong for for quality um very strong on engineering and he was you know he was playing with the machine and, um, you know, wow, this is, who did the paint job? It's fantastic. It's <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, and, and really, you know, it, it's probably during that period, and, and, and my father passed away last, uh, late last year, but really for me, from when he went into an aged care facility, that was the highlight, yeah. um, bar none. And, you know, mum was happy everyone was everyone was happy and he was he was ecstatic so you know the thing that you learned from that or that I learned from that was you know brothers are saying look we need to do this it's like wow how do we find the time you know sometimes you just got to make the time yeah. and that, that that is exactly what we did we made the time and, and you know I'm really really happy that we did because um, you know that'll be a, a you know it's a memory for a lifetime and mm. I'd say for all of us and and mum was happy, and you know, dad didn't have a long, long time left, and yeah, really put a smile on his face, which was nice.
0: Yeah, that, that seeing seeing that emotion come out of him, like it'd be, yep. it, it's something that you remember forever.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the good thing was that when we when we restored that role, of the guys, you know, they they couldn't find an original steering wheel, so we did, we had a plastic steering wheel on it, not quite authentic. Um, you know, we had a few cad-plated bolts which probably didn't exist in you know the late 60s so it wasn't restored exactly right it was pretty good but not exactly right but he he didn't notice any of that okay. so, <laughs> so that, that that was nice so, no, this yeah. is
0: exactly <laughs> this is exactly what i you remember know, we didn't
1: want to bring it up and then say like geez boys you've really disappointed me <laughs> yeah.
0: that's amazing that's so good I, i'm so glad to hear stories like that because yeah. like like your father and the business partners like just a, such an influential uh, part that they played in the history just of the industry yep. as well like you talk about the coats and you talk about the kennards and higher family and stuff like yep. that the con plant business has that same the coleman family has that same influence i think as well thank you thank you yeah uh, that's, that's a big call i, I think it does yeah. like if you've been around for 60 years it's uh there's, uh, there's a, there's a look, it's, some,
1: it's something that uh, something that we're quite proud of. Um, you know, we've, you know, and it hasn't always been, you know, simple and easy. That's for sure. Uh, you know, working through, um, you know, periods like uh, the global financial crisis. You know, immediately prior to that, we'd acquired a, a you know, a business. We'd diversified into a number of other segments. Um, We'd done a whole bunch of stuff literally in the months before the GFC hit. So it it was the perfect storm in reverse. So, Mm. um, you know, then like everyone else, uh, we had mining boom uh, construction, uh, contraction, which really hit hard. Um, So they were probably, in my experience, the most difficult um, periods to work through. So, yeah, to come come out of those sort of difficulties and be on the other side, you know, um, essentially learning... You know, there's there's a fair few takeaways from working through those periods as well. Yeah. Um, But, you know, come out the other side what i what i'd considered to be you know sharper smarter and stronger is um yeah we're, we're proud of that for sure yeah
0: and so let, let's talk about the history side a little bit more so from day one was it just selling rollers or rental like what, what was the how did the business evolve into complant that is today yeah. so we were
1: best described as i understand it because uh i was uh, fairly um well, when the business started, I wasn't alive. Um, but you know, obviously, when it start uh, when when I became involved in the business and aware of the business, you know, I was still quite young. Um, but yeah, my understanding is a strong engineering background. So we were manufacturing, um, you know, even small things like uh, concrete trowel blades. So we were manufacturing. Uh, but as I say, we always had a strong uh, rental um, background and that was rooted in uh, compaction. Mm. Um, I think we were, for, for many years, we were operating out of one location in Smithfield. So originally we started in an old uh, chicken shed. Okay. okay, That was the original, original start. Um, we then moved into a, uh, a you know, perp- more purpose-built uh, premises once we got a little bit of growth um and we were in all sorts when i started with the business we had car trailers and sewer snakes and you know it was a mix between heavy compaction and a a general hire business okay um and that's when when i came into the business and and we were probably like that for probably around about another four to five years um and then we, we we just took a hard look at the business and said you know all this other stuff is really a distraction. Um, what we do really well is compaction, and that's what we're going to focus on. Um, and literally, it was it was more or less one board meeting, um, did the numbers, presented, and uh, and we were out. We were out of basically everything else that we were doing, mm. uh, and we were focusing on compaction. And shortly thereafter, it was probably. And probably within one to two months then we started at geographical expansion.
0: Okay. And so you mentioned when you joined the business so what was your first role and how were you introduced to the family business?
1: Wow. So look my earliest memory of the, the business would be probably sitting on my father's lap um, in a uh, international uh, truck um, on a um, on a tip tip site down near Homebush bay okay um you know so we were we were off a um, off a main road on a dirt road and he grabbed me and said right son let's have a have a drive so that's probably early introduction to truck driving um and and then probably my my other memory was uh going up to to work with one of my friends that lived uh near us and my father would start up you know crank start Two machines, and my my friend would be on one, and I'd be on the other, and we'd be driving around in circles um, uh, within the yard. And you know, I remember it quite well. because one of the machines was slightly faster than the other one, and it kept <laughs> it kept it kept hitting. And then my father come running out, and you know, had to had to had to uh, switch one of them off. But so yeah, I I, I was around hire from you know from when I was born basically. And even, even you know, on weekends when I was a bit older, uh, it would be uh, go to uh, go to work and uh, you know put put car trailers on the back of customers' um, cars and then go back into the office and you know um, do another fifteen minutes of my homework that was due on
0: mm. on
1: Monday. Sure. Um, so there was. There was that kind of you know probably when i was in later 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 high school it'd be on uh, you know i could earn some extra money by by going during the holidays and i'd, I'd paint machines you know spray paint machines so it was a uh, you know i've been around higher more or less all my life and uh yeah uh, but you know in a full-time capacity, been in, in the business for a bit over 35 years.
0: And then what was your first proper, like, let's say proper proper role in the business? You said that you made that decision to, to really focus on on compaction. Yep. Like, was that really when you joined the business properly?
1: No, mm-hmm. no, I would have been in the business for probably five to six okay, years. Okay, so a lot so of, a of experience in the that, business at that, that, that up stage, like, okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I originally did an apprenticeship, so apprentice plant mechanic. Uh, so, and I've worked in almost all facets of, of our business. I've done sales, I've managed our workshops, um, I've driven our trucks. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was very hands-on. Not so much hands-on now because I, I kind of understand where my, my value is in the business and also my value, you know, at home. So work-life, home mm-hmm. balance. Um, but you know, if uh, if the guys need a hand anytime, uh, you know, uh, I'll put my hand up and, and do what do what's required. It's um.
0: Yeah, ha- having that experience within the business, like, it, it plays such an influential role in the type of leader that you become yep. for that organisation because you understand what that person's going through and what it means to do that type of role as well correct I, mean, it's, I find it very hard like to understand how these ceos these general managers come in with no experience from the industry like it's yep it's it's a big challenge
1: yeah well uh, look i i um, i watched a documentary uh recently uh on boeing uh called uh, downfall the case against boeing and it's um it's going through their history and talking about, uh, it's essentially the, the two 737 MAX aircraft that both, that both crashed, yeah, within five months. And it's a documentary that more or less outlines how they got there. And if you go back, and, and there's synergies with our business, and, you know, not synergies in size, but s- synergies in approach. Boeing originally, and, and for much of its, its life, was an engineering driven business, no compromise whatsoever on safety. And their philosophy was if you get the product engineering safety right, and if you service, provide good service for your customer, the profits will flow. They merged with uh, McDonnell Douglas, uh, and shortly thereafter, what was the CEO of McDonnell D- Douglas became the CEO of uh, Boeing. Mm. And their approach was value to shareholders. What's the share price? So they would have an engineering meeting and the first slide on the PowerPoint would be what what is the current share price? And their approach was how is this meeting going to improve shareholder value and, and for me, it was a clear example of what happens when you, when you go too, too left of centre. You know, you lose the focus. So for me, our business has always been driven off, you know, good engineering. So we're trying to get good products. If there's a problem with those products, you know, reliability, safety, whatever it is, we'll engineer it out. If we've got a reoccurring problem, we engineer it out. We don't. We don't put up with it. Um, when I started in the business, we had one one sales guy that had only just started. Before that, we never had a salesperson in the business. Wow! It was driven off the back of, you know, good service, good equipment, and you know, really the customers just kept coming back. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably, from a legacy perspective, that's really what. That's what I was able to inherit when when I started to head up the business, um, and and you know that's sort of entrenched in our culture. So, for me, it's for me it was a, a walk up start. You know, you have that already embedded in the yeah. business, and um, yeah, that, those kind of things just make make doing the job that much easier.
0: And so it sounds like when you came on board, you. you made sure there was a clear focus on the direction for the company and what you wanted to work on. There was a direction around growing the business and expanding yes. as well. So like there's some pretty big challenges to, to take on. Yep. Um, what, how did you sort of combat those and, and sort of make sure that you didn't overextend yourself too much at the start?
1: Yeah, well it's... Look, I, I think we, we generally have a measured approach um, with uh, with things that we do. I mean I, I, I look at things you know after the GFC you look back at what we did prior to the global financial crisis and you say well what did we get wrong and you look at it and you say well we actually didn't get much wrong it was just bad timing um, so I, I think we generally have a fairly measured approach um, to growth. I think we generally when we're whether it's New plant, uh, new geography or new people, we, we generally have an approach where we invest. So if we're putting a, a, a new person into a management role, they'll spend a week uh, with induction. So if they're Brisbane-based, they'll spend a day at Brisbane, then they'll spend two days in head office in, in Sydney meeting the people that they'll be talking to. Mm. You know, you invest up front rather than try and backfill sure. afterwards. Um, but yeah I, I, look for me not an exact science um, you know I, I didn't have probably apart from my father my father well, apart from my father I, I'd say there wasn't I didn't have any real um, mentors or, or people to advise me I think the best way I can describe it is and my father wasn't one to, to sit you down and um, explain things you know you would learn from him by seeing, you know, his actions and see how he would work in a meeting, you know, with some suppliers or that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a structured learning process. It's probably maybe similar to how a son would learn how to farm on a farm, True. you know, grow up with it and, yeah. and you see what your father... found. by experience, basically. And, yeah, by experience. And that's really probably how I've evolved I've always been fairly um well fairly I'd say extremely self-driven so uh I I like moving fairly quickly I was saying to someone the other day it's it's like sometimes our business feels like it's moving too slowly but then when you prepare for a board meeting um you realize what you've worked through in the last say four weeks reflect a bit more and it's it's quite significant sometimes, some of, the, some of the stuff we get through. So yeah, I've always been quite driven both in, in business and, and probably in my
0: personal life as well. So, And you mentioned earlier in the podcast that being uh, a CEO or being a senior leader can be lonely yep. sometimes. So you wanna talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, uh, look,
1: it's generally not lonely when it's good, when things are good. Um, when things are hard, like, like coming out of the global financial crisis where you're not sure whether a financier is going to come and lock the gates on any given day. And so what I mean by being, being, it, it being lonely is, you know, you've, you're contending with financiers, you're contending with your board, which is generally, at that time, family. Mm. Um, you're dealing with your management team. You don't want to spook and upset anyone, so you know my my demeanor during that time. We, we we could have you know the house could be on fire, and I'd be calm. Um, and and that's what I needed to do, you know. And and when I say it's lonely, I don't wanna I don't wanna put fear into my wife, my children, um, the shareholders, our financiers. Mm our management team our staff you've got to be you've got to be the rock and uh yeah it's it's i won't say it's hard it's it's just as i say it's like you you don't really have anyone to to download with
0: but but is that a risk as well that you sort of put a bit too much pressure on yourself sometimes
1: i think it's generally a risk um my personality type is that um you know i'm sure everyone's got a breaking point um, I've been through quite a few um, uh, situations in my life, um, you know, whether it be a tangled parachute or, a, okay, that's extreme, or a <laughs> um, okay. or a, um, or a uh, you know, a, a lion, a close call with a lion in South Africa, or whatever it might be. I, I've been in some fairly high-pressure situations, and I I react fairly calmly.
0: I think the listeners want to know about this parachute because they think... <laughs> Let's tell that story. Well, look... Uh,
1: I, 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 I didn't really ever have a real desire to, to parachute, OK? Um, I'm not really risk-on or risk-off. It's, it's sort of... Uh, I consider myself relatively neutral. Um, but, yeah, we were travelling around New Zealand. Um, uh, my son, who was probably maybe between eight and ten at the time, said I wouldn't mind skydiving, Dad.
0: And a a ten year old skydiver.
1: Yeah, and and we were, we were we were just we were in a camper van and we were pulling into um, Franz Joseph Glacier and it was it was overcast and, and rainy and pretty miserable and it was um it was uh, you know just on on dusk and and um, we pulled up and uh, had dinner and had some sleep. I got up the next morning and it was an absolute pristine day. There was, there was no wind, it was crisp, nothing but blue sky. I look up and there's um, snow, on the, snow on the mountain and it was just stunning. And I walked down to reception and I... Um, I said uh, is there a place here where you can skydive and they said yes, I said what's the age limit? And they said not sure. So they rang and they said look there's no age limit as long as they fit in the harness. So I went back I said um, you better get up, my, son, my eldest son's name is Evan so I said you better get up Evan, we're um, skydiving in an hour and a half and uh, yeah we, we went skydiving and uh, it was fantastic. It was a little little disconcerting because I was the first out of the plane and we were under chute. And then uh, I watched Evan come down and uh, obviously a tandem jump Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: went past and kept going past. And I'm thinking, it's going to be a hard conversation back at the camper (laughs) van. Um, (laughs) But then the chute popped up and and everything was good. But, yeah, so we'd... we'd, um, we, we ended up doing quite a bit of skydiving. We ended up having uh, his uh, OPA from South Africa and and two of the boys and myself, so three generations, on another trip to New Zealand, jump out of a plane wow. um, on 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 one. So we I think we we went from nineteen thousand feet, which is a long way up. So that was that was good fun. Uh, but yeah, so myself and one of my brothers uh, said, look, you know, we've done this tandem jumping and that's that's pretty good, but let's let's go do a skydiving course. So, um, and that's what we did, and uh, we did a full day's um, worth of training um, down at Goulburn and the following morning was the first jump. So yeah, first first jump and how we go and you've got a you've got an instructor leg and arm sort of steadying you and then when you pull the chute basically you're on your own and um, yeah when I pulled my chute it was all it was all so it was then Then the training kicks in it's like you know did, altim- time,
0: did time slow down at that A- point?
1: Altim- yeah it always does yeah um, so you're looking at your altimeter saying right I've got 2000 feet before I have to drop this if I can't get it get it sore then I drop this chute and then I have to pull the emergency shoot. And the emergency shoot the following day, they, they had two names for it. One was the emergency shoot and the other one was y- your last shoot. <laughs> so, so for me, you know, it's, uh, how would you describe it? Um, probably a bit of an oh shit moment, but you know, you've just got to deal with it. So it's training, altimeter, and then, you know, spreading the rises and bicycle kicking and then looking at your altimeter and doing it again and then eventually spun around and opened. Cool. So, so and, 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 you know, we, the training was, you know, there's a bar, if you have a drink, any alcohol during the day, you can't jump again. So after that, um, we went straight to the bar, had a beer, <laughs> packed up. And, and look, I, I, haven't, I haven't skydived again solo. So I did the course, did the first jump, and afterwards, you know, I'm happily married. I've got a great wife. We've got four young boys, and I just felt really—how um, would you say? It? I felt very selfish and quite guilty that mm. you know, probably a stupid thing to do. Yeah, and, uh, I went. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. So I haven't done it since. But. It, those sort of things for me sort of uh, what's healthy about it is you know how you react under pressure
0: mm, yeah so i think uh, a shoot not opening and a challenging board meeting <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you know that you're probably going to be in a calm position <laughs> normally yes yeah
1: yeah normally board meetings can be interesting look uh but uh yeah look my relationship with my brothers uh that are both non-executive directors you know um since they've come on to the board our relationship's never been healthier so you know my experience with uh family and business in the main is uh is really positive
0: yeah very good now i want to talk about your branding a little bit so when you drive down the highway it's pretty obvious which machines are yours a little bit so there's a little bit of a Obviously, a bit of thought, a process has gone into to that yep. side of it. Yep. So, do you want to talk about you being um, a distributor for Wackenew CERN and that branding yep. side of it?
1: Yep. Okay, so the, the first of all, the colour. So, there's a bit of history behind the colour. So, uh, my father was actually looking for a, a, a colour that stood out. There was a lot, of, a lot of equipment in the market that was, you know, a, a dark green... Um, you know, just just nothing that popped. You'd go to a, you'd go to visit a site and the machines would bleed into the background. So he wanted something that, that stood out. I'm not sure he knew what he wanted, um, but he had a mate that was an industrial chemist. So he went to his friend and said, look, I want you to mix up, you know, four or six or whatever. Um, colours and I want them to stand out um, so that's, that's, that's what happened um, and then he had these, these little samples of, of paint colours and as happens you know on, uh, on, on days where it's raining there's nothing for, for the truck drivers to do um, so one day when it was raining um, it was out, out came a couple of tonka Steel Tonka toys. One was a grader, and one was like an F, F-150 pickup truck. Um, he looked at the colour that he thought looked the best out of what was mixed, and and they were sprayed up. And uh, we we still actually have the grader in the well. We have both of them in the original wow. in the original colours. So they were the first thing that was ever painted in in our corporate colours. So, yeah, I think some some companies like to be, you know, fly under the radar a little bit. Um, our color doesn't. Not you guys. Matter. Our color <laughs> doesn't. pretty obvious. Our color doesn't allow us to do Well, I was that.
0: even saying, like, before the podcast started, like, if you've got, like, a bunch of boom lifts down there, yeah, we know who makes the boom lift, but you've got to look at the sticker on the side of the boom lift yep. to figure it out. You guys, different story.
1: Yeah, we sol- we solved that with the color. So yeah, we, we had a we had a safety yellow or safety green, whatever whatever you want to call it, yeah, before yeah. safety was ever really considered yeah. part I, of I the think construction it, I, business. I, I, I do
0: think it's more of a green. Like I can see the yellow in there for sure. Yep. it's um, like a limey yellowy green. Absolutely. Yeah. It, look, it pops.
1: Um, it, it definitely has a has a reasonable presence. So yeah, um, you know that's something that really we're quite uh you know the branding for me is something we're quite passionate about you know we we like the gear to to look right um and yeah we're we're quite proud of how our our fleet and our trucks and our field service vehicles present
0: definitely and the whacker nuisance side yeah the whacker
1: nuisance side of things uh you know it's it's interesting then incorporating another brand alongside your own, um, but but we're pretty pretty happy with how that's that's worked out for us. We've been you know close to four years um, working with Um For us, it was a, a logical step in our progression. Uh, you know the quality, the innovation, uh, and and for Wackenrooson, if you look at where they're uh, known or what they're known for in, in Australia. It's mainly the small, small end of the spectrum. So, you know, for them to align with us made sense and, and vice versa, mm. because the heavier product uh, that comes out of Germany and, and Austria is is high quality. Um, you know, there's synergies around approach to safety. If you look at Wackenhuysen with their dual view, uh, dumpers with the rotating uh, operator platform, so you never have to reverse
0: yeah and i think you're one of the only uh distributors here in australia for some stuff
1: look we, we we're a distributor for the heavy compaction uh, equipment Australia-wide and for uh, the compact equipment and light uh, equipment we're a distributor in a uh, sorry a dealer in a in a number of locations okay yeah
0: gotcha. sure and then you're talking about innovation just then a little bit as well like yep. it's crazy how much like the world's changing at the Absolutely. moment I was on your website and I saw someone like doing a remote control roller down the side of a hill yep just from a safety standpoint but yep. do you want to talk about some of the, the technology advancements or innovations that have sort of come yep. through
1: yeah, so, uh, well, that, that's, that's, that's actually a pretty interesting one because uh, we had a, uh, a customer that uh, had an issue. They were looking at compaction, uh, co- compacting the verge. Uh, I think it was around a 40-kilometre dual carriageway. So uh, dual carriageway, verge, you know, 40, so 160 kilometres of verge wow. that they're looking to compact. And some of these are, were fairly steep um, cut and fill. Uh, situations so their requirement was we'd prefer to do it with a roller but we don't want anyone sitting on it because if the verge collapses we don't want you know our operators injured or killed fair fair comment Um, so yeah we we developed a a system whereby uh, you can take a normal roller you can drive it normally flick a switch into remote and then get out and operate at uh, remote control for those high-risk applications, and you know we we probably thought when we when we when we did that we'd probably cap out at maybe five or six machines. It's like we're we're well into 10, 10 plus now, wow. probably moving into the realms of twenty units. Um, so yeah, they've they've worked uh, fairly well for us, but more importantly, very well for our our customers. So. Mm. So yeah, you know, their their, their alternative to to using um, what we provided would have been probably putting a plate compactor on the end of a wheeled excavator. Sure. So that's a expensive, yeah. slow process, and quality's not going to be in the same league. So, you know, the lesson lesson for me um, with that particular scenario was, you know, sometimes the gold comes from your customers. Mm. You have just got to listen.
0: Yeah, I was actually reading about that. It was I can't remember what that It was a construction company it was talking about the easy ways to uh, easy ways not to to lose a deal. Yep. And it was like not listening to what the actual problem is. Yep. Like telling the customer what you think they need rather than letting them do it. Like all yep. the basic stuff. Like it's actually really simple, but the Absolutely. problem is like I think a lot of people get nervous. Yep. they talk to customers or they they think that they can just copy what they've done before and and put it across rather yep. than actually trying to to be a partner and it's um I actually read uh, there was a quote on your website I do have it written down here yep. uh, which was um, for your employees uh, freedom to in- innovate focus on collaboration and the, and in the veins of customer obsession yep I, th- I thought that was a really good way to like like capture the culture that you're sort of explaining before plus revering back to what i just mentioned about like understanding the true problem that someone has is that something that you brew you brew in the organization
1: i think it's something I, i i think it's it's something that my father um was passionate about um whether he whether he knew you know whether whether it was deliberate or whether it was just in his dna that's that's how you do things um i'm not sure Um, for us I'd say learnings, learnings that we've taken from the business in recent years is again it's it's just listen to your customer you know you know you can have I mean every company talks about innovation yeah you know buying an electric car for your business is you know yeah okay that might qualify as innovation for someone but you know mm. it, it really sort of almost ticks a box in a in a business manual yeah. uh, you know in a marketing plan um, for us you know really getting down and dirty with the customers as far as really understanding what they what they need but also you know it, it's a bit like you know the uh, you know say Steve Jobs he sort of says well you know if I just listened to the customer never would have come up with the iPad because they would have picked you know I'd like a, a faster processor a smaller tower and a bigger screen um, you know sometimes you've got to look and go there may not be a requirement that we're seeing f- for this but I think if we had it yeah there would be so we've, we've seen that across markets, even with, uh, you know, business acquisitions in the past. Um, you know, we bought a, a, a company in uh, Brisbane. It was our first step into the Queensland market, Donpra Hire. So we bought their compaction, uh, the compaction uh, component of their business. And I remember going up there and talking uh, to the team and they're, they're like, look, you don't need anything over 15 ton in this market there's no demand for anything over 15 to 16 ton as far as compaction equipment was concerned and I was sort of well that's a bit strange because we've got a lot of 20 ton plus gear working in New South Wales and I'm not sure the soil's that different Mm. in most parts of Queensland so we ended up bringing um, some heavy equipment into the market and you know, we've got more heavy gear now in Queensland than we have in New South Wales. So, you know, sometimes you can focus on, you know, what's what's coming from the customer, what's what's coming down the phone line as far as a requirement, but people will ask for what they know. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to be, you know, you've got to be thinking around, you know, what would the future look like and, you know, would this particular product have a you know have a place in the Australian market.
0: Yeah, it was it was funny. I was when I was chatting to Jim Lee from the fleet office about uh, some of the because they obviously a technology company and, and and he tries to make some pretty cool innovations as well within yep. the organization and and one of the ones that he said that wasn't a hit was um, the notification around like how safe a driver are. Yep. It is and so like, it's obviously a great thing. Like you're yep. you're, you're you're helping like the community, you're helping the business, you're helping safety, all that sort of stuff. Yep. But when the managers are the bad drivers, yep. they're not going to report <laughs> that they're a bad driver. <laughs> yeah. and so and so he was well, like, that... yeah, it's a great example of like innovating, but then like, you got to make sure that the customer wants to use it as well. So. Correct.
1: Yeah, and 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 realistically, you know, if you if you've got a drug and alcohol policy. You know, if you're, if you're going to put GPS tracking in and hold people to account for, for breaches, as in speeding, et cetera, you've got to be big enough to put it through the organisation. You know, uh, and, and, like, look, w- I, I get the fact that, you know, y- you need to, say, apply some of those to the high-risk components of a, of a business. But, yeah, I, I personally, I don't think it's good enough to sort of say, well, hey, I, I, I don't want it on my vehicle. Yeah, um, you know, you, you've got to lead by example for that kind of stuff. But look, it's it's a fine line, you know, big brother versus safety, um, and it's not a it's not a one size fits all uh, answer to whatever the question is that you're trying to solve with that,
0: you mm. know. So, so let's talk about acquisitions a yep. little bit. So you actually mentioned Dom which is quite an iconic brand. Yeah. And so Andrew Donald, I think, was yeah. associated with his father. Yeah, I and, know and Andrew quite yeah, well. Yeah. So he's been on the podcast, but yep. uh, that's going back quite a while, the Dom one. But there's been some recent acquisitions yep. as well. So do you want to talk about some of them? Is that part of your – like, obviously, you can only grow fast enough uh, with organic growth. Yep. But through acquisitions is obviously helping to grow that into new markets and equipment. Yep. So what were these acquisitions and what were sort of the, the key drivers for them?
1: Well, one, one was, uh, so in the last 12, well, 12 and a bit months, uh, we had, uh, HL Hansen and you know, they're a compaction specialist. So bang, right in our sweet spot. Um, probably four years before that it was compaction Australia out of, um, out of Brisbane. Again, uh, quite a simple bolt-on for us. So those type of acquisitions um, uh, make perfect sense. Um, easy to integrate, um, generally um, come with some good people, so, uh, which we tend to retain. Um, so they work very well for us. Um, the more recent one was uh, Landpack. Uh, so that's a, uh, an impact uh, compaction specialist business. And they also have an uh, operation in Singapore. Um, We're mainly working on land reclamation. So it's a pretty dynamic and interesting business. Um, and there's, you know, for, for us, we, we'd been interested in that and probably having discussions with them from about 2016. Uh, but we'd worked with them prior. Um, we, we introduced or helped introduce the LandPak product into Australia back in the mid 90s. So, um, yeah, so that's that sort of, it's a, it's a diversification of, uh, of product, but it's still in our mm. co- area of core competency, which um, makes perfect sense for us. And, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not too difficult to manage. But on the org- organic growth front, uh, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't too long ago we had a fleet of around 650 machines, and now we're well over a thousand. Um, that's in a relatively short time frame. Well, so okay. um, organic growth for us is is probably the easiest way to grow. Um, our systems are very, very good. Um, ERP, scalable, lot of smarts in there. A lot of business intelligence. Um, you know, integration with GPS tracking. You know, predictive maintenance. All kinds of things, so we, we've scaled the business quite, um, uh, quite dramatically in recent years. Essentially, same management team. So incremental increase in um, you know direct support costs, yeah, as in mechanics and truck drivers. Other than that, you know, same, same properties, um, same management teams. Um, so, you know, the, the scale side of um, the organic growth and scale side of uh, the equation works quite well for us also.
0: Yeah, me coming from the technology side, I, I've seen a lot of large organizations that don't have those systems in place yep. uh, from an early stage and they try and implement them when they're well over five thousand assets, ten thousand assets. And yep. and the effort to change that culture and to put it in place is really, really hard. And Yep. If businesses at a small size can get good business processes, good, um, good controls in place as well and reporting, it makes life so much easier when Absolutely. you get bigger. Uh, because it only gets harder.
1: Absolutely, look, things that, you know, if we, we rewind and say, you know, 20 years ago, um, things that um, say a financier might ask a question about would take us a day to pull the data together. Um, uh, now, now we can we can do it when a you know the credit manager is sitting in our boardroom, and they say, "What about this?" You say, "What date range do you want?" And you just run the report in real time.
0: Yeah, rather than being on a whiteboard or in a spreadsheet yeah. or somewhere. Do you want <laughs> to know what? Away. Do you
1: want to know what your debt position is versus yeah. the orderly liquidation value of the assets? Yeah, that's we've amazing. got it. Um, that's so, so we really. We're really um, driven, and we've been built like we built our own ERP. We've done it twice now. Um, First one we started in around 2005, and then just based on language becoming semi redundant, um, we we rewrote it. Um, But yeah, our our ERP we even uh, we even wrote the uh, financial um, side of it, so it's basically. Point of call through to uh, financial reporting, and the only things we have really hanging off the side of it is uh, payroll because it doesn't make sense to duplicate that because there's already Makes you know lo- like everything else that's harmonised in Australia it's ha- harmonised across right. the, every state except for the differences um, <laughs> you know which yeah, if anyone's listening um, in government you know <laughs> if you're looking at improving productivity um, you know good place to start would be to actually, when you say harmonisation, actually do it, but uh, probably a different story for it. different could probably do a whole day.
0: podcast just on that if you oh, wanted I to. Have, Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, great. So so one of the, um, I was talking to the, the Home Rental Industry Association, so the HRA, about yes. nomination, and part of it is having good systems in place, and they do a lot of auditing. So so when you get nominated uh, to be yep. Rental Company of the Year or High Company of the Year, like, what's the lead up to that process?
1: Yeah, so we um, we submit a uh, uh, more or less a pitch pitch paper. Um, so it'd be about the company and, and some of our some of our strengths. So summary of systems, summary of innovation. Uh, you know we we you know try and try and do that to mitigate or minimise the amount of time they have to you know question us around that kind of stuff. And then when they visit. Uh, we can run through some of the cool stuff, you know. Um, we can show them, you know, uh, our ERP, we can show them, you know, how, how, how the, the business intelligence side of the business works. So, yeah, integration with GPS, predictive maintenance, um, all that kind of stuff. And then, then, you know, some of the fun stuff, you know, take them outside and, um, you know, show them, uh, you know, our self-leveling low loader um, you know some of, the, some of those things so yeah we, we find it's, it's, uh, it's quite useful the thing that's nice for me is that um, you know it, it's like when we went down the um, ISO uh, standard uh, certification process for quality, safety and environment it wasn't a big deal for us mm. we were doing almost all of it you know, sometimes it's a little tweak here and a little tweak yeah. there, and it's the same. You know, we, we didn't need to do anything particularly special for the HRIA when they came out to visit. Um, you know, it's just again, it's it's let's more show, Let's show you us our, our business. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's our DNA. It's not like we we have to have to be safe on the day. You know, mm. we're safe
0: always. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, it's really good to hear. And and look, obviously, this podcast will come out after the fact. So we yep. wish you all the luck in uh, <laughs> in winning the award. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we're, some 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 good competition there. So look, you know, uh, whatever happens, we're we're proud to to be a finalist. And I think that's uh, and I think anyone that 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 is a finalist in any of the categories should be proud of themselves, whether
0: they win or they don't. Yeah. And so from a from the the higher. Twenty-two convention itself, like what? What do you usually get out of the, these sort of events, mostly?
1: Yeah, look from my perspective, I think it's um, it's, it's mainly the networking opportunity. Um, you know, networking with suppliers, uh, other 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 higher companies. Um, you know, you just wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't you know it'd take you weeks to to sort of uh, have discussions with all of the people you're going to bump into. So for me, the, the main the main advantage is the networking opportunities, mm. you know, and it's always good to see. I mean, it, it's a fairly healthy industry, um, you know. I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good industry with lots of good people, and um, you know, uh, it's nice to be part of that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like when I was younger, I was actually talking about this on an earlier podcast and I think this probably applies to a lot of people that go to trade shows. I thought that trade shows you used to just walk around and look at the booths and yep. and then <laughs> and then leave. Yep. And then I realized like halfway through, I was like, wait a second, like you meant to just network? Like, and then like, I yeah. feel like a lot of people don't actually know how to network. Yep. And it's a skill that I think like, I'm sure that in Terrigal, once I went to a an HRIA event where they were actually teaching people how to network and yep. stuff like that. But I, what I don't like is when people... Like, they, they think of just this event as just like, oh, get a booth and then that's it. Like, that's yep. the event.
1: That's not it. We'll sit there, yeah.
0: That's that's not it. Like, anyone can set up a booth and just, uh, you know, business cards and stuff like that. It's about, like, going there and, and trying to get as much out and then you sharing your experiences yep. as well and building it up. So... I, um, I do encourage people to not just think of it as just a trade yeah. show with booths. It, it's an opportunity to network.
1: Yeah, well, we find. I, I mean, look, it, you know, Bauma Germany is one of the it was the, the largest uh, you know exhibition globally, and um, you know, one of the problems that I find when you go there is you bump into people. Um, you know, you're trying to get around all the latest equipment but you've almost you've almost got to have a mission yeah. focus if you if you if you bump into as many people as you normally do you're never going to get around the show this show's a bit different you know it's it's smaller it's more intimate mm. so you know you you can do both Mm. You, you can kick the tires, but you can also talk to talk to people and, and talk to people, you know, for a quality amount of time as well.
0: Yeah, um, I, I went to um, when I was in, I was living in Vegas for a bit. I went to Conexpo. Yep. It actually shut down early when I was there because of COVID, unfortunately. But yeah, I, was, it, I think I was at that one. Yeah. yeah, but it's so big that it's actually over two sites. Like you got to yep. catch a bus to the other side of. Correct. The, it's just crazy how big some yep. of those those shows are. Yeah, crazy. You can't you can't see it in a day. Like there's no. It's impo- if you wanted to actually go through and actually look at stuff, it's it's impossible.
1: Yeah, well, when we 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 normally uh, have a bit of an action plan, you know, take multiple people, and we've all got particular missions to, you know, whether it be technology or new products or whatever it is, we'll have a we'll have a hit list. Um, but there's always something that you know jumps out that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, but like, like I say, there's always people you're bumping into. It's, yeah. um, it's difficult to balance at those big shows, for oh, sure.
0: definitely. All right, well, let's learn a little bit more about Ian Coleman. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is the scary part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do <laughs> you really want to? Oh, jeez, here we go. <laughs> no, this would be easy. So you've already sort of answered some of this. So who do, who do you think played a big influence on you from a, a mentor perspective throughout your, your career? Or some people maybe even?
1: Yeah, look... Um, I think I've already touched on it, um, probably, probably my father, uh, just by observing, uh, you know, observing how he, how he operated. Um, you know, during the difficult periods, um, you know, global financial crisis, um, people like uh, Fraser Ronald, who um, is currently with Pickles um, but was with GE Capital. Mm-hmm. So just someone that will tell you straight... You know um you know what needs to happen and not mince words so not necessarily uh friendly discussions but but very real honest discussions um and and that's always that's always um you know for me that's always helpful you know, you don't have to necessarily, and, and I, I'd consider um, someone like Fraser a friend of mine. If he got into if he got into trouble, I'd I'd do what I can to to help him out, um, just based on just that straight talking. Um, but yeah, I, I say from a from a, a mentoring perspective, look, we've had some advisors that have worked um, worked with us um, from a uh, you know from a board perspective. You get some snippets. Um, you know, we've talked about those little pieces of gold. Yeah. You know, uh, one that sticks in my mind—a um, phrase. You know, um, there's a time to think and a time to act. Knowing, you know, the trick is in management, knowing which one's which at any given mm-hmm. time. So, but but yeah, as far as a, a mentor, you know, um, yeah, I'd say it's probably materially as my father. Yeah, and and you know, uh, for me. You know I've learnt what I've learnt by doing Um, you know I'd be happy to you know sit down with the CFO of any organization and run through financials and you know uh, uh, none of that is difficult um, for me but it's it's something that I never had a a structured
0: lesson on yeah Yeah. have you have you done much mentoring on your side of it a little bit
1: yeah a little bit and, you know, probably to be to be quite blunt, it's probably something we need to do more of within our own organisation. You know, we, we've actually got a real focus at the moment. Um, you know, common, common message that I've put into the business in recent times is now is not the time for complacency. Um, you know, things are really good at the moment. Um, you know, demand is exceeding ability to supply. And my view is, well, you know we can make mistakes at the moment so we can annoy a customer and they can send ten machines back and we have no financial ramification because those ten machines will go to someone else where we'll feel it is when we get into the contraction phase back mm. back into the trough um, so for me you know message into our business is now is not the time for complacency you know, whether it be working with your financiers, if you're if you're looking at um, restructuring debt, um, you know, looking at lazy security, you know, a financier might have too much security. Um, they're things we measure all the time. Um, when things are good, is that's the time to to act. Yeah. You can't wait till, you know, you can't wait till the next global financial crisis hits and then talk about it yeah it's too late then gate
0: shut horse gone. late yep. yeah it's a bit scary for those companies that are a bit over 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 geared or over financed um, with their equipment yeah. and I was, it was I had Jamie Haters on the podcast uh, this morning yep. and he was talking about there was someone that was putting out a lighting towel for $23 a day yep and it's like the payback is 15 years on the lighting tower. yeah it's like what's the point that's like, crazy like it just doesn't make sense so, yeah, it's it's about... Uh, I think Peter Lankin came on the podcast and did a really good job of explaining what the actual purpose is of rental rates. Yes. And it's not about paying off the equipment. It's about making sure the business is profitable. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people, and not to put down sales reps sometimes, but sometimes they think, oh, yep, this machine's worth is X. I can get it out the door for Y. Yep. And yeah, mm. it's going to pay itself off. But nah, it's no, that doesn't pay the bills for the people in the office. Yep. So it's... It is important for education on, on the rental rate side and making sure that, as you mentioned, when, the, when times are good, let, let's get those processes in place and keep yeah. those rates really good and, and strong and service so when things do t- tail off a little bit, yeah. you're in a very good position. Because, I mean, if
1: you look at the rental business, when things do, when you move into a contraction period, that trough happens. Generally, you get hit, hit in two ways. Yeah, it's lower utilisation, And generally a much lower rate and the support cost to provide the service is essentially still the same yeah you know um, you know the cost of transporting equipment to the site it's still the same so if you're getting $400 a day for a machine now you go into the the dip you might get 200 but instead of 75% utilization you'll be running at 45 it's it's scary, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an issue, and you know, again, I've used the farming analogy here um, during our discussion. I don't really see uh, our business is heavily geared to roads and road spend, so it's two, two faceted um, construction and maintenance. Um, but yeah, we we see uh, when 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 the business slides. Uh, you know, it's it's quite dynamic, and as I say, it, it's a bit like farming. Uh, you'll have five good years, or four good years, or three good years. You'll have two years of drought. What you've got to do during the good years is position yourself to navigate
0: yeah, the drought. Definitely.
1: Um, and it's as simple as that because it will happen. And if you look at if you look at where we are at the moment, I say I'd say the global environment is probably as dynamic and unstable as we've ever seen it in our lifetime. Um, you know, you look at inflation, then they're going to try and chase it with wages. If you don't fix productivity, you know, wages move, inflation will move with it. Um, you very, look It's very com- complicated, isn't it? You look at supply chains, um, you know. Um, some of them, rubber, rubber products are coming out of Ukraine or were coming out of Ukraine. Now they're not. So now they've got to shift production elsewhere. Um, Vulcanisation of tyres is, is energy intensive. Gas prices, electricity prices are all up. It's like, you know, we've got inflation. We've got, you know, essentially if wages don't move, you have cost of, you know, well... Basically, essentially, your cost or your standard of living is going backwards. Mm. Um, but, but there's just so much going on, and then there's the element of you don't know what you don't know, and that's probably the scariest part. So, yeah, we're, we're very mindful that um, we're probably in for some interesting years. I think our industry is um, probably in a in reasonable shape if you look at what the infrastructure spend. Is in Australia, it's fairly big. Yeah, uh, I don't think um, I don't think there's much hope of us actually achieving uh, some of the forecasts that are actually in place because I don't think we'll get a line up of labour, uh, materials or equipment. All three of those things have to line up um, for us to deliver what's forecast, and mm. I, I just don't see it happening. So I see us probably in a stronger for longer. Period, but again, there's still that. The unknown. You know, there's the there's the unknown, um, and and you know I, I think everyone needs to be quite mindful of that.
0: Mm. Yeah, because if you if you throw in a mix here, and this is sort of uh, really putting it out there, if you throw in someone like United Rentals coming to Australia, yep, that just changes the dynamic even more in terms um, of the rental space.
1: Of course,
0: yeah, um, them buying royal wolf or the company that the, the parent company of royal wolf obviously that that's in the shipping container side but yep who knows there's, there's a lot of big companies in australia that have a lot of debt and uh Absolutely. i'm sure their shareholders would be pretty happy if someone came in and paid 10 times the beta or whatever the number's gonna be yeah for um, sure um so yeah it, there's uh that, that factor as well but it's um yeah it's I think it's really good advice that you're giving those, those smaller businesses in particular to make sure that they've got everything in place at the moment. So yep. when, things, when things do get hard, it's, it's not as hard as it needs to be. And, and hopefully you're yep. still around.
1: Yeah, well, as I, as I say, my, my experience is, uh, you know, is, it's not rocket science. It's just don't be complacent and, and review and make those decisions while things are good. It's far, far easier once things start to, to drop. You know those discussions become far more problematic, and uh, you you really you, your chance of success in restructuring debt and doing all those sort of things when things are bad mm. are next to zero.
0: Yeah. And your value of your company drops significantly. So if you think that you can sell your company and maybe get it back, that yep. it turns into an even harder challenge. So, Correct. yeah. Yeah.
1: All all your options generally get worse when things when things drop. It's it's just you know nature of the business.
0: Yeah. All right, well if you could give some advice to to young Ian, what would mm-hmm. you say? Wow. <laughs> That's a good question. Um
1: Look to be honest with you, I I wouldn't I wouldn't probably give myself any advice. Um if I look at where I where I am now in my life, um you know, I've, I've already said it and hopefully I get some brownie points for it. I've, I've got a really, I've got a wonderful wife. Um, I've got four great, great boys, young boys, most of the time. I mean, they're always boys, they're just not always great. <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but uh,
0: You're doing a gym, mate, you're, you're digging the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop, cuts,
1: cuts, cuts. But yeah, if 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 I look at, so my personal life, I'm really happy with that. Um, Business life, uh, you know, I can go away with my family for six weeks. I don't need to take a phone call. I don't need to make a phone call. I don't need to respond to an email. When I come back to work, nothing bad has happened. There's not a pile of anything on my desk. And you get straight back into it. So... I'm pretty happy with how, how I am and, and, you know, if I look at some of the hard, the hard lessons over the, the time, you probably wouldn't change those either because, you know... Shape you. Yeah, correct. Um, you know, without that, like, you know, the, the common mistake is really, you know, going through a difficult period and not learning from it. You know, if you can really apply yourself and say, well, yes, that's happened, what did what could we what could we do better? What should have we done better? And what could we do better in the future? It sets you up in a in a position of strength, and I think that's. So yeah, I, I you know, maybe I would have played in a band for another an extra two years, you know, and and enjoyed that a bit more, or, um, you know, maybe maybe I'd uh, say, uh, you know, buy a buy a farm in. 2019, so you've got somewhere to roam during COVID, but sure. no, l- largely uh, I, I really wouldn't wouldn't change anything. So,
0: yeah, and, and, and you talking about being able to sort of walk away from the business for a period of time yep. and come back and everything's still like secure and safe yep. and, and no 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 fires to put out. A, a lot of small business owners, one of the biggest things they struggle with is that they're they're attached to yep. the business, like they, they can't get out of the daily grind. They're almost addicted to the, to the grind sometimes. Yep. And if you really want to grow a business, you've got to sort of let go of the reins sometimes yep. and let other people make mistakes and, Correct. And, and that sort of stuff. So is that something that you learned earlier on or is that something you've applied later on in your career?
1: Well, well uh, uh, I think by nature uh, in, in a smaller business, and our business was much smaller, Uh, so by nature you have to be more active in the business and it is harder so it's kind of you know a lot of people look at a business like Conplant and say "Geez, I'm glad you've got that you know you've got over 100 employees and I don't want that I look at it and say well if you've got a good team um, that is why I don't have a headache you know, our senior management team, their average uh, tenure with the business is over 15 years. Yeah, um, that, that means that, you know, I can, I, can, I can look at things and I can have a vision for the future and I can go off on little tangents. Um, and the, the, the business just gets, you know, it hums. And, and that's nice. Um, in a smaller business, it's hard. And, and, you know, if I look at something like the, you know, the, you know, if look at something like uh, HRIA, that's where they add value to some of the smaller, uh, higher businesses. Like I talk about value, you know, and coming here is networking. Um, you know, I look at small businesses and say, with the complexity in business today with red tape and, Uh, legislation and all of the compliance issues if you don't have scale how do you possibly survive and that's where something like the uh, hria um, really comes into play Uh, you know it's it's basically looking at uh, the industry and providing direction you know new legislation comes out whether it's personal property security act or or anything else fabulous that they've thought of in recent years yep. <laughs> um, you know you get direction our business you know we can, go, we can afford to go and talk to lawyers and spend 20 or 30 grand on advice on how to do certain things if you're running if you're running a business with five or six people and you know uh, you just can't make that work
0: yeah definitely yeah i i remember going to the the hria events and every every time it was just ppsr or ppsa whatever yep. the acronym you want to use yep uh it's just crazy when that came out and that's a great example of like yep. small businesses getting whacked and and thinking, what do we do yep and you've got to lean on the the, the body like the HRA to some yeah. of advice and having great people in the industry like, like Gary Kerr and, and Tim Nuttall yep. that that really are yep. very passionate <laughs> about yeah, solving, those sort of
1: things. Absolutely. And yeah, it's so so I, I don't think I answered your question. Um, advice for people that need to you know, uh, it, it's a difficult one. You know, you've got to get some level of a scale, you know, you've you've gotta you've gotta either bring someone in that's got the got the right approach and then mold them and you know educate them with the business and and then you've just gotta you know obviously let go and 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 give them some trust mm. and you know for people that are in it every every minute of every hour i'd say that's probably pretty hard yeah
0: it, yeah. it, it, it is it yeah it's very hard to let go yep but it's your baby correct it's hard to let go but yeah, I think someone like Luke Gillen, I think he's very good at that sort of uh, bringing in great people at Shore Hire and yep. stuff like that. Obviously, you've done a great job. But the, the, yep. I think if you if those small businesses can can look at those large or mid-sized organisations and learn from them, yep. they'll see that most of the senior leaders have a team of people that they trust and absolutely and, and those people. Have the ability to make decisions. Yes, that's probably a key thing.
1: Absolutely, it's
0: not. Hey, Ian, can I do this? It's yep. like, go along, and if make a mistake, then we can revert and chat about it and yep. whatnot. But
1: and we, we we even build that methodology into our into our ERP. Uh, you know, people can make decisions on pricing on the front desk, so they can do pretty much whatever they like. But at the same time, there's an automated. Message going to their line manager saying price variation, yeah, and they'll get prompted to put in a reason. Um, so we they have the ability to make decisions. So an example for that might be something like uh, 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 we've hired a fifteen uh, a ton machine to a client at a twelve ton price, sure, and the reason would be client uh, required. Twelve ton machine only had fifteen ton machine available. Pretty good reason. We've given it to the matter twelve ton price. Good client. Yeah. And it's fine. That's um, a but, great but, example. But, but you know, if you build that into a hard and fast business rule that you need the approval prior to you doing, you won't it, win
0: the deal. It stifles it's, the business. It's gone. Like if you can't provide that quote in the same day, next day, then
1: and it comes back to you trust your people. They will make mistakes. And then it's a matter of saying, well, why did you make that decision? I thought this. Okay, I understand. Well, next time we could do it slightly differently. Um, but, you know, that's where the, the learning comes.
0: Mm, no, that's great advice. And lastly, like uh, I think you've already answered this a little bit just by what you described as, as uh, advice to your younger self. But if you were to define success, what do you think that would look like?
1: Yeah, I think I have probably answered it. <laughs> you did, so, a pretty, did a pretty so, job of answering so that So success for me is, is, in a business sense, um, success is the fact that I can go away for six weeks with my family and everything hums. Uh, you know, I come back and the business is something... I mean, I'll, I'll get information pushed to me from LERP. I know what's happening while I'm away anyway but I don't have to dwell on it. I don't have to look at it every day if I choose not to. Um, so that for me, in a business sense, is is successful. Obviously, financially, we're, we're tracking well at the moment, year on year, um, we're, we're doing doing fairly, fairly well. So happy with that, um, but it's not all about financial. Um, you know, for me, it's me being able to to get away and and likewise the people within the business they can take annual leave and not be not be pestered by people within the business because we've got depth you know it's that whole work life balance and as I say you know I see my kids play rugby on the weekends Um, you know if I need to get home early I can do it you know if it's a fine day I can I can go hire a plane and go flying it's like for me, in a personal sense, that's that's success. I think
0: so. Yeah, yeah. and
1: and again, I've already mentioned. In a personal sense, you know, really happy with my my home life. Incidentally, I should mention too, back to one of the acquisitions, Landpack. That is how I met um, my wife. Okay. She was working for Landpack in South Africa. Um, so there's a bit of a linkage okay linkage there yeah. so it was actually one of my pictures when we were negotiating the, the purchase I you know we were talking about the assets and allocating the value and I said um, and I, I really think you owe me a fair bit of money because uh, I'm married with four children because of you. And uh, and that's very expensive. And they said, look, we take no responsibility you, you for were, your you choices. Built
0: up all those brownie points and now you're bringing it down. I mean, maybe your wife won't watch to the end of the podcast so she won't see this part. I, I hope not. <laughs> that's all awesome. Should quit while I'm ahead, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, look, Ian, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal no. podcast. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's, uh, it's and I, Again, no. I truly believe that... Complan is is an amazing organisation that that does have a big history in the industry.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, sorry it took so long. And um, maybe we'll do it again in the next couple of years. Yeah. Awesome.